Let me read to you John chapter five, verse 41 to 44. Jesus said, I do not receive glory from people, but I know you that you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Verse 44, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? In this chapter, Jesus healed a paralyzed man on the Sabbath, which was something that greatly upset the religious leaders since Jews were forbidden to work on the Sabbath. But Jesus responded to them in John chapter five, verse 17, saying, my father is working until now and I'm working. In other words, he basically told them, if it's wrong to heal on the Sabbath, then God did wrong because he worked this miracle through me. In fact, in verse 19, he said, John 5, 19, he said, the son can do nothing of his own accord. In other words, I can't do anything just by myself, alone, in and of myself, I'm unable to do anything. Now, if Jesus, the son of God, the immaculate one said that, where does that leave you and me? It would be the height of arrogance and the epitome of foolishness for us to think we can accomplish anything apart from the Lord. Can I get a better amen? Are you here? Amen, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But Christ's answer in verse 17, my father's working, I'm working, his answer infuriated the Jews even more because he referred to God as his father. And verse 18 says, making himself equal with God. Hmm. Making himself equal with God. But it's interesting, on another occasion, in John chapter 14, verse 28, Jesus said this, for the father is greater than I. So it seems like a contradiction, actually, you know? Well, are you equal, are you greater? That seems like a contradiction. Jesus is not the same person as the Father. But he was and is deity. He is divine. John, the Gospel of John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Again, it seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? I mean, would you be able to say, you know, John was with Pastor Michael and John was Pastor Michael. No, it doesn't make any sense. But you see, the creator is not a part of the creation. So you make a mistake trying to compare God to your world. He's the maker of your world. He is not your world. He is unique. Our God is three in one. Not three gods, but one God in three persons. Someone said, well, the word Trinity is not found in the Bible. That's correct. But the concept of Trinity is found throughout the Bible. You can begin in the very first chapter of Genesis where God said, let us make man in our image. Who's us? Well, it can't be the angels because we're not made in the image of angels. The Father was with the Son. The Spirit of God was moving over the deep. Can you say amen? In John chapter five, verse 18, 
in the Weymouth translation, in fact, many translations say this, it says putting himself on a level with God. Putting himself on a level with God. Actually, Jesus did not put himself on a level with God. That's what the Jews accused him of doing. He always has been on the same level with God. In Philippians chapter two, verse six, it says that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That means to be held on to, to be retained. So he, he already was equal to the Father. But verse seven, Philippians 2, 7 says, but he emptied himself. Think about that. King James says he made himself of no reputation, but that's not very clear. Actually, the Greek says he emptied himself. How did he do it? I have no idea, and you don't either. But I know what he did it. The Bible says it. He emptied himself. He laid aside his mighty power and glory and became clothed with human flesh. Glory to God. Hebrews 2.8 says the same thing. It says he was for a little while made lower than the angels. He's actually quoting you know, the eighth psalm. We sometimes quote that, that psalm relating to us, but he actually says that it's talking about Jesus in the incarnation. He was made for a little while lower than the angels, but in his resurrection and ascension, he was crowned. He was crowned with glory and honor and all things were placed in subjection to him and he's Lord of all. Woo! He's Lord of all. The religious leaders were distraught because Jesus called God his father. But the gospel takes it one step even further. Through faith in the name of Jesus, through faith in the blood, now God is your father. And if it made those religious leaders upset then, it'll make religious people upset now, so just deal with it. God is my father, how about you? The morning, the morning that Jesus was raised from the dead, he said to a little woman on the sidelines in John chapter 20, verse 17, he said, don't cling to me, don't touch me, let me go. But he said, go to my brothers, go to my brothers, and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. Notice, he's not talking about like James and Jude, the sons, other sons of Mary's. He's talking about his disciples. He called them my brothers. That's something he never said before that time. Never in the gospels that he ever said. This time he says, these are my brothers. Woo, woo, woo. And God is just as much your father as he is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as much. My father and your father. He didn't say my father and your stepfather. My father, your grandfather. He said my father and your father. Woo! Woo! Hallelujah! However, however, unlike Jesus, you are not deity. You are certainly not God. We can smell your breath and tell that. You are definitely not God. <laughs> Amen. But Jesus came to lift us up. He came to lift us up to the same level 
with the Father. We now have the ability, my friends, we now, as Christians, we have the ability to stand in the presence of God without shame, without fear, without condemnation, and we approach him not as some lowly worm, not as some fearful slave, but as a son. But as a son. In other words, Jesus died and rose again, not just to repair us, not just to help us with our problems, but to make us like himself. You could say it this way, the cross was the Xerox machine. He came to reduplicate himself in us. You think I'm making that up? The word of God says in 1 John 4, 17, 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so also are we. When we get to heaven? No, in this world. As he is, as he is, so also are we. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. He made us like himself. What he is on the inside, we have on the inside now. What he has on the outside, we will have on the outside when he returns. We have his life. We have his nature. We have his spirit right now. We have his standing. We have his authority. We have his name. We're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And when he returns, we'll have a glorified, resurrected body just like his. You think you look good now? Just wait. Instagram will really have something then. (laughs) Let's go back to the scriptures we began with. That was all bucksheesh. I'm not going to charge you for that. But let's go back. Let's go back to John chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus said, I do not receive glory from people. The word glory in this verse can also be translated honor, honor. When we say glory to God, we are giving honor and praise to him. The New King James Version says, I do not receive honor from men. Now, does that mean that we cannot honor the Lord? I do not receive honor from men. Does that mean that we men cannot give honor to the Lord? Or does that mean that he will not accept our praise? No, that's not what he means. He was confronting the Pharisees. And in essence, he said to them, he said to the Pharisees, I don't need your acceptance. I'm not seeking, I'm not endeavoring, I'm not striving to be respected and held in high esteem by you. The New Living Translation says, your approval means nothing to me. Jesus does not need your approval. Are you listening to me? Sometimes skeptics and atheists will pose this question. They think they're so smart. They'll say, is is God so vain? that he would force people or require people to praise him? Hmm? You see? Huh? Well, the truth is, God does not need your praise. He does not need your praise. Now, we should praise God because he deserves the credit. 
When we praise the Lord, we're not being generous. You know, sometimes people are generous. They're magnanimous. You know, they say, oh, I got that job. And then they'll say, all because of your prayers. And I didn't even know that that, that, that was a prayer request, but they're just kind of being nice about it. We're not, being, we're not being magnanimous when we praise the Lord. We're being honest. What you have and, and who you are, it's all because of him. Every good and perfect gift is from above. If it's good, it came from him, and you ought to give him praise. I said you ought to give him praise. But worshiping God is for our benefit, not his God does not need your approval or appreciation. He was God before anybody heard from you, and he'll be God long after you're gone. He got along fine without you throughout eternity, and he'll get along fine without you if he has to, without, through, through eternity. He doesn't need that. Are you listening to me? The Amplified Bible, verse 41 again, in the Amplified Bible, classic version says, I crave no human honor. I look for no mortal fame. We want to be like Christ in all that we do. In our life, in our service, in our ministry. Jesus was not motivated by selfish ambition. In this chapter, you can read the whole chapter, I won't take the time, he healed a crippled man. A man that had been sick for a long time. And then the Bible says... He, he conveyed himself away. He concealed himself from the crowd. He did not publicize it. He didn't take a selfie and post it. He wasn't trying to be popular or to build a following. He did not live for the affirmation and applause of others. His sole desire was to please the Father. And that should be the driving force in our lives too. What keeps you going? What makes you tick that the Father may be pleased? More than anything else, we need to be God-pleasers. And if being a God-pleaser displeases men, so be it. So be it. Amen? If you live to please the Father, some people will love you. And some people will hate your guts. Let it be. Let it be. Let it be. So be it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice again John chapter 5 verse 42. Jesus said, but I know you. And by the way, he knows you too. (laughs) I know you. He's talking to the Pharisees. Don't get under condemnation, unless you're a Pharisee. I know you, that you do not have the love of God within you. Now when he said the love of God, he's not talking about agape, the God kind of love that's poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, although that's true, they didn't have that. What he means is, he said to them, I'm not saying this to you, but he said to them, you have no love for God. You don't really love God. And these are religious people, right? These are theologians. These are learned people. This is their profession, right? 
So unlike Jesus, unlike Jesus, the religious leaders in his day only cared about the adoration of the crowds. I have to remember that every time I get ready to preach, that I cannot preach to please people. Sometimes I think I intentionally try to displease people. <laughs> Just to make sure. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. If your motivation is to be honored by men, you don't love God. You love yourself. I said, if your motivation, and of course, only you and the Lord know this, if your motivation, the thing that drives you, is to receive applause and appreciation and affirmation from people, then you don't love God, you love yourself. Amen? You and I should love to hear people praise the name of the Lord. Not to praise our name. Some people, of course, they're not here this morning, are they? Some people, you know... When it comes to praising the Lord, big yawn, <sighs> scratch, roll your eyes. But when someone praises their name, they come alive. No, no, flip that around, flip that around. It's the other way around. I, I remember years ago, I was attending a large meeting and Brother Hagen was going to be speaking. And before he spoke, his son, who is a Pastor Hagen, or we used to call him uh, Kenneth Hagen Jr., his son introduced him. And I think it was unscheduled, unplanned, but the son got up there, you know, just like Gra Jeppy grabbed the mic, his son got up there and began to introduce him and say that his father was, you know, a father of faith and a great man. And, and, and as he was speaking, he turned back there and Brother Hagen was not smiling. And he said, I can tell he doesn't like this. He does not like this, but I'm going to do it anyways. See, that, that's, that shows you the man's heart. Come on, some people, we, we introduce our guest speakers. We're not trying to, don't read anything into that. Hallelujah. But I've been in some meetings where they gave this glorious, glorious introduction for me. And I'm thinking, who on earth are they talking about? They must have some other guest speaker here. And then I've been other places where, you know, I thought they were, they were introducing Judas or something. Okay, come on. <laughs> Amen. Again, we, we should love to hear people, love to hear others praising the Lord. Do you? Do you? When you hear other people worshiping God, do, of course, I know four o'clock in the morning, it's sometimes hard to appreciate it, but otherwise, <laughs> you hear people praising the Lord. Is that just, does that, is that pleasing to you? Are you here? How many of you speak English? Raise, it, raise your hand. I need a Chinese interpreter. <laughs> we should love to hear the name of the Lord praised, not our own name. Not our own name. Hallelujah. Let me read another scripture to you in John again, but John chapter 8, verse 54. John 8, 54. If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. Now, Jesus said this. Hmm? Again, the word glory in this verse means honor. So if we honor ourselves, it's hollow and meaningless. See? Proverbs 27.2 says, let another praise you and not your own mouth. See, a lot of people think, well, if you can't toot your own horn, who can toot it? No, no, no. Let another man praise you and not your own lips. Amen. God may inspire others to commend you.
God may move on others to speak well of you, but that's his business, not yours. I said, that's his job, not yours. Hallelujah. God is not opposed to you being exalted. He is opposed to you doing the exalting. That's his job. That's not your job. Your job is to please him. Your job is to honor him. His job is to promote. And while we're on the same subject, it's not your job to demote others either. That's also his job. Well, he's getting a little bit too big for his britches. I think we need to cut him down to size. That's not your job. That's not, you're not the judge. Last time I checked in the Bible, your name was not there. You're not the judge. God is a judge. He promotes one, he demotes another. That's, that's up to him, that's not up to you. And while we're on the same subject, do not rejoice at the downfall of your enemy, because you're next. That's my own version, but that's basically the truth. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go back to John 5, 43 again. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. I've come in my Father's name. What does that mean? Jesus represented the Father in all that he said and in all that he did. Jesus never acted independently. He never took the initiative to make something happen in his ministry. In fact, in the Bible, in the Gospels, whenever anyone provoked him or tried to compel him or even tempted him to work a miracle, he refused. The Pharisee said, show us a sign. He said, the only sign you're gonna get is the sign of Jonah. Herod was pleased, glad to see Jesus, hoping to see some miracle, but Jesus didn't speak one word to Herod. So God doesn't perform miracles to satisfy anybody's carnal curiosity. The devil said, turn these stones into bread. He didn't. He didn't. The devil's not calling the shots in this ministry. He's not pushing the buttons in this ministry. Sometimes the enemy will kind of say, oh, you know, others are doing better than you or something. Maybe you need to kind of, you know, push it a little bit more. Maybe you need to, you know, kind of step out there a little bit more. No, 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 no. You're going to be led by the Holy Spirit, not the enemy. The enemy is not your friend. He's not your helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus did not work apart from the Father, even to satisfy his own needs. The Bible says, after that, angels came and ministered to him. God has a way of supplying all of your needs, but, it, but he doesn't need the devil's help. Amen. Notice, notice, Notice verse 36, it's still John chapter five, but going back to verse 36. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very, the very works I am doing bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. So how do we know that the Father sent you? The works. And notice that the Father has given me to accomplish. The Greek word there actually means to complete or to finish the works that the Father has given me to finish, to complete. Every miracle in the life and ministry of Jesus began 
with the father taking the first step. The father initiated it. He began. Jesus responded and completed it. He finished it. Are you listening to me? I heard the testimony about a church in America several years ago and they were determined to evangelize their community and so they organized teams to share the gospel, uh, hand out tracts, you know, go door to door. But they had almost no success after several, I suppose, weeks or months. You know, they, they didn't win anybody to Christ and nobody joined the church or anything like that. So they were discouraged and considered quitting. But they decided, before we go out, let us pray. Let's, I mean, they said some kind of little prayer, God bless us as we go. But no, let us really pray. Let us spend some time with the help of the Spirit of God interceding for the lost. We need the help of heaven here. So they began to do that, and they had marvelous success. Uh, one woman, as they were all praying, suddenly had a vision. And she saw a road sign, you know, with the name of the street there. And then, she, then in her vision, she saw a, ha- a building with the house number. That's it. So she, she decided, she realized God must be sending me to that place. So they, she looked on a map and, and found it. There, there, there is a street in our city, a larger city. There is a street named that, and, and there's a house number there. So she and her partner, they went to that, located the place, and they said, yeah, that, that's the sign. That's exactly what I saw in the vision. And they, they found the house. That's exactly the way it looked when I saw it, you know. Praise God, even before there was Google, there's God. And so, uh, <laughs> and so they went, and, and they knocked on on the door and a voice from within said come in okay so they they opened the door and stepped in and they saw you know a barely furnished little flat you know a little little room and there was a scrawny little woman lying on a cot you know in the room and when they stepped inside that woman started shouting and praising God glory to God Woo! glory hallelujah and they thought, okay, we got, a, we got a live wire now, you know. And, and they had to calm her down. And they said, what's going on? And she said, I've been sick for weeks and months, maybe longer. An invalid, I can't walk. And I'm alone. I have no one to care for me, no one to take care of me. And I know the Lord. I know the Lord, but I haven't been walking with God. And just lying here, I prayed and said, God, help me. Please send somebody to pray for me. Send somebody to minister to me. And she said, this woman said, I saw a vision. She said that. I saw a vision. And I saw two women. I saw you two come in the room, lay hands on me, and God healed me. So go ahead and do it. So go ahead and do it. So those women realized, but this, is, this is just like out of the book of Acts. They laid hands on that woman. She got up perfectly healed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God began. Jesus said, and I finished it. Several years ago, there was a, a young man, a pastor, that came to my office, a fine, a fine brother in the Lord. He came to my office, and he wanted to discuss with me some kind of a program that he was organizing, and so we listened and talked about that. And then as the conversation was winding down, and it was kind of like, you could tell, time for him to, to go on, move, that he suddenly said, um, Pastor John, 
what do you believe about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues? Well, that's like waving a red cape in front of a bull. I mean, yeah, oh, well, I'm ready to tell you. And so I, I opened the Bible, you know, you don't need to ask me twice. And uh, I opened the Bible and I began to go through the word of God and share with him and, and talk to him about that. And he listened so intently and, and was so eager. And then I said, shall, we, shall I pray for you, you know, that you can receive? And he said, yes, please do that. And so there, you know, me and him alone in my office, you know, we prayed and, and, and but he did not, re- he did not receive. And I, and I really, I realized really the problem was, you know, uh, uh, not that he's not a good Christian, of course he is, but, but he, his faith was not secure in this area. It was new to him and he wasn't completely convinced, you know? And so, um, so I just encourage him, you know, to stay in faith, you know, uh, go home and read these scriptures again, something along those lines. And so I'm kind of like walking toward the door as if to say, you know, it's been a wonderful day. And uh, he said, you know, he didn't budge. He stayed in the chair and he said, you know, last night I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw you lay hands on me and I saw God fill me with the Holy Spirit. Well, if that's the way it is, <laughs> then we're going to redouble our efforts. <laughs> we're not going to give up that quickly. So I went in the next room, and there was Pastor Jeppy, and at that time our church secretary, and I told them to come in, and the three of us, we just ganged up on him, you know, and we, <laughs> we laid hands on him, and I think with just a little bit of encouragement, suddenly he was filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, see, God started that. God started that. Glory to God. Anybody here today? Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Notice this scripture, John again. John, that's my name, so why not? John chapter seven, verse 18 says this. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there's no falsehood. Now, it is not necessarily wrong to talk about yourself. But you should do so advisedly. You might, you might use some wisdom. You might want to be careful. Some people, that's their favorite topic, of course. There really is nothing else. The weather and me. <laughs> but Jesus did talk about himself. He said, I'm the door. He said, you know, I'm the shepherd of the sheep, you know. Uh, he said, I, I, I am the resurrection. I'm that. He certainly talked about himself. He spoke of himself, but he did not speak from himself. As the English Standard Version says, on his own authority. He did not speak his own words. He did not speak his own words. He only repeated what he heard from the Father. That's why on some occasions he was completely silent. Because if the Father didn't give him something to say, he didn't say it. Can you imagine if you and I only spoke what we heard from the Father? Most of you would just have to pull down the shutter, close business. There's no more talking going on in that house. real quiet in this Presbyterian uh, Holy Ghost Church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some pastors and teachers, I'm sure they're out there somewhere, some pastors and teachers only preach messages that will be well received by their congregations. 
they don't want to say anything unpleasant for fear it may hurt their popularity and their offering. Come on, come on. If you're in the ministry, you know what I'm talking about. Finances are getting a little thin here. Your wife has a worried look on her face. So I'm gonna preach about giving this morning. Super duper anointing for prosperity. You know, because people want to hear that. Maybe not the giving part, but they want to hear about prosperity, you know. And, 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 and uh, you know, let, want to preach on something. If you preach on something that gets everybody excited, then, oh boy, you know, it flows. But that may not be what God once said that day. I say this to the Bible school students all the time. They've heard it many times. I probably don't want to hear it again. But let me just go ahead for the sake of whoever may need this. When I was a boy growing up, my mother never gave us a menu at dinner time. How many of you, your mother gave you a menu? Our special for today, veal cutlet. No, 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 no. My mother plopped down a plate on the table and said, eat it. And I never, I never appreciated some of the things she gave me. She was a nurse. And so she was concerned about all the food groups and the different colors. Maybe you understand. And uh, so she just said, boom. And I said, I'll eat the chicken, but I'm not eating all of those strange vegetables and stuff like that. God was preparing me for Nogland. I'm not going to eat all that stuff. (laughs) I didn't know it, but. And my mother said, you're going to eat it. And I said, no, I'm not. She said, yes, you are. You see, I got my stubborn nature from her. And we went toe to toe. One night in particular, we just stared at each other. She said, you're not leaving this table till you eat those mashed potatoes. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not eating those, ta- I'm not eating those potatoes. So we just stared at each other. And I thought surely she would give up after a moment or two and just say, oh, go ahead and have some ice cream or something. No, 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 no. She just dug her heels in even deeper. It was high noon at the OK Corral. I mean, this is serious business now. Draw! (laughs) And uh, well, to make a long story somewhat shorter, at the end of the night, there was weeping and gnashing of potatoes. (laughs) I was whipped. (laughs) Now, why? Why? How did I get up on that? Some of you were hungry. No, how did, why did she do that? Is it because she hated me? She wanted to make life miserable for me? I thought so, but no. Actually, she loved me. She was up to me. I'd be eating bowls of ice cream. You can tell I've had a few. I would be... (laughs) Right? I would just, uh, you know... I wouldn't have any teeth like that all get rotten from, from eating sugar and stuff like that. You know, she gave me not what I wanted. She gave me what I needed. If you're a loving pastor, you will not feed your people chocolate and sweets every Sunday. You will give them the nutrition of the word of God because you want them to be strong and solid and they may spit it out and they may look at you and they may get angry at you, but it's fine. Just dig in your heels because this is what they need. God doesn't want a church full of babies. God does not want a church full of spoiled toddlers. He wants strong men and women. 
who are not afraid of the enemy, who know who they are in Christ and are gonna go out and live a victorious life for him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So again, I'm glad you're here this morning and you're gonna eat those potatoes. (laughs) Hallelujah. To minister as Jesus did, we must represent the Lord faithfully and only give to the people what the Lord has given to us. Jesus said the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. I think we could paraphrase it or we could add it, we could say it this way, the one who acts on his own authority seeks his own glory. In other words, you're just doing things just because you want to do them. Then you don't want the Lord to be lifted up, you want to be lifted up. Amen? And that doesn't work. John 16, 14, Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. Notice he didn't say, he will glorify thee. (laughs) He ain't here. The Holy Spirit is not here to glorify you. So any kind of ministry that brings attention and glory to the minister, that's not of God. That's not of God. We didn't come here to worship you. We came here to worship Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Okay, let's go again. John chapter 5. We're just kind of weaving and bobbing here today like Muhammad Ali. In John chapter 5, verse 20. Verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him that you may marvel. For the Father loves the Son. Now this is Jesus talking, right? The Father loves the Son and shows him, the Father shows him all that he himself is doing. God is your Father too. And God loves you too. In fact, John chapter 17, verse 23, says that the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. You look it up, John 17, 23. He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. So the question is, so why isn't the Father showing you all that he himself is doing? (laughs) Now it's really quiet, and understandably. Let's talk about this for just a second. Notice the scriptures that I read to you in the beginning, John chapter 5, 41 to 44, the word glory, which also means honor and does mean honor in these verses, the word glory or honor is found three times in those verses. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the word glory or once again honor is found 19 times. To minister as Jesus ministered, we must live as he lived. Many people want Christ's anointing, but not his attitude. He lived, this is, so, this is it, he lived to honor the Father. His heart cry, think about that, you know, what's your heart cry? You know, if, if somehow we could peer into your soul 
If we could put our ear against, you know, your chest, what would be the heart cry? And a lot of people, and I'm not trying to be, uh, speak disparagingly of them, but, but let's be honest, a lot of people, their heart cry is, make me successful. I just want to be successful. More than anything else, I want to be successful. Especially when you're young, you have a tendency to, to think and feel that way. Others just say, give me a happy life. Let me have a happy life. But the heart cry of Jesus was, Father, glorify your name. That was not just a praise statement. That was a mission statement. That's, in other words, everything he did, he's looking for God to be glorified. That's what he said in John 12, 28. In fact, in John chapter eight, verse 29, a lot of verses here, I don't apologize, but I'm just telling you. In John chapter eight, verse 29, Jesus said, the Father has not left me alone. For I always, John 8, 29, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. The Father has not left me alone. The Father has not abandoned me. The Father has not forsaken me. The Father has not stepped back from me. Why? For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Think about that. Think about that. Everything he said came from the Holy Spirit. So even that statement, it sounds a little bit kind of like a little, little proud or something, but no, no, it's not. It's truth. It's truth. So it wouldn't be wrong for you to say that if it's true. So I think we could paraphrase this verse. Jesus basically said, the reason the Father shows me these things, the reason he's intricately involved in everything I do is I always live to please him in my words, my attitude, and my actions. Hallelujah. Honor. Honor is so important. Honor is a necessary ingredient in experiencing the supernatural, living in the miraculous. Honor is critical. Honor is crucial. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, God said, those who honor me, I will honor. Does God honor people? Yes. Does he honor everybody? No. Whom does he honor? Just the lucky ones? No. He said, those who honor me. Those, there's something in your heart Maybe you haven't exactly put your finger on it, but there's something in your heart that desires to be honored. And it will never come to pass until there's a fundamental change where you live to honor God. To honor him, even if you yourself are dishonored by others. Hallelujah. One way God honors us is with his presence. One way God honors people is with his presence. The greatest honor any human being could ever have is to be in the presence of God. How interesting. 
that the word glory means honor, but it also means the manifested presence of God. And that's not a mistake. That's not a coincidence. The key to experiencing the glory of God is honor, reverence, and deep respect. That doesn't mean that we are dour and sullen. Doesn't mean that we're sad. It certainly doesn't mean we're depressed. You talk about honor and reverence, people, you know, they shut out the lights and they get real dark. I'm not talking about that. You know, when I was raised Presbyterian, you know, they they, they understood on a certain level you had to respect God, but they thought that meant you look dejected and forlorn. You come in church looking like you don't have a friend. And they thought that's reverencing God. Looking like, you know, like your mother just died or something. That's not reverence from God. That's just being depressed. You know, it, but it means, it means a deep respect and reverence for God. Amen? Hallelujah. When you do not show honor to someone who deserves to be honored, you dishonor that person. When you do not show honor to someone who should be honored, you are dishonoring that person. So you might say, I didn't say anything, I knew anything. That's the problem. That's exactly the problem. I don't wanna hurt your feelings, but when we're worshiping and praising God and you look like you're on another channel, you're lost in space, you are dishonoring God. I didn't say anything, I know, that's the problem. You are dishonoring God. If I was invited to have an audience with Queen Elizabeth, not like that's gonna happen, but let's just imagine. If I was invited to have an audience with Queen Elizabeth and I was escorted into her room and when I came before her, I stuck out my hand to shake her hand and said, hi, nice to meet you, how you doing? That would be considered a tremendous breach of protocol. But my name would be blacklisted from Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Guards and people like that would carry me out like yesterday's rubbish. I'd be gone. I'm never going to be invited back to that place again. Why? What's wrong with that? Isn't it okay to just say, how you doing? Yes, you can greet one another that way, other people that way, but she's not other people. You're trying to treat her as if she's just some ordinary person and the crown is offended by that. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. We cannot have intimacy with God if we are disrespectful to God. If anyone ever had the right to be kind of casual with the Father, it would be Jesus. And he wasn't that way. He never cracked jokes about God. (laughs) One day the father was crossing the street and saw a chicken. No, he never never did anything like that. No no little snide remarks. Well, sometimes that old man's asleep. You got to wake him up. No, no, nothing of the the sort. Nothing of the sort. Right? Hallelujah. He always honored the father. There is a certain protocol of heaven. I said there's a certain protocol of heaven. See, hallelujah. And if you violate that, you will not enter into the fullness of God's presence. Amen? Honor 
An honor is not a right. A right is something that belongs to you, you can demand it, and no one can take it from you. An honor is a privilege, and it definitely can be taken away from you. Are you listening to me? It's an honor to be in God's presence. We live in a culture that more and more considers it fashionable to be disrespectful. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Right? You know, that's cool. Being rebellious is cool. (laughs) Obviously, I'm not cool, but you know, I asked my kids if I have swag and they all said in unison, no. (laughs) That just means you're cool, I guess. I don't know, hallelujah. You know, may I say this to all of you? As one who has come from the other side of the world, I'd like to say something to you. Generally speaking, people in Asia do have a respect-based culture and I I deeply appreciate that. I really, I, I, I tell people in America about that. Don't imitate the overly casual attitude that you see in some ministers from America. They need to hear this message. (laughs) Be careful. We have intimacy, closeness. We don't have to have formality and stiffness, but be careful that you don't get into this kind of casual kind of attitude because what you're doing is you're trying to pull God down to your level, but rather the Holy Spirit is trying to lift you up to his level. Hallelujah. Yes, but God is my daddy. I answer this way, Malachi 1.6. If then I'm a father, where is my honor? I mean, I don't know how it was in your family, but when I was growing up, I told you about my mother, let's talk about my dad. I didn't walk up to, to my dad and say, hey, old man, <laughs> boom, give me some skin. He would give me some skin. He'd take some skin off my behind is what he would do. <laughs> he didn't appreciate that. Hallelujah. When I, one time when Victoria was just a little bitty thing, just a little teeny thing, I don't know how she got this in her head, but she walked up to me and she said, hello, John. <laughs> and I said, hello, little girl. And she looked at me kind of like, confused. That's, that's being too casual. Be careful about that. Amen? I'm not done. Oh, I, I, I pray for you. I'm not done. There is a connection. Listen carefully. There is a connection between honor and the anointing. There is a connection between honor and the anointing. God instructed Moses to lay hands on Joshua to succeed him, to take his place. In Numbers 27.10, in the King James Bible, Pastor Michael, in the King James Bible it says, and thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. Moses, lay your hand on Joshua, and you shall put some of your honor upon him. Now, a lot of translations say authority. However, 
However, the Hebrew word doesn't actually mean authority. Furthermore, I don't, I don't believe that Moses just did this as a meaningless symbolic ceremony. There was, I know there was a transfer of power because the book of Deuteronomy tells me 34 verse nine, Deuteronomy 34 nine, Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands on him. There was a transfer, there was a transfer of anointing. But God said, place some of your honor. Isn't that interesting? He's talking about the spirit of God. He's talking about the anointing. He's talking about the ability from heaven. And he calls it honor. It's an honor to serve the Lord. It is an honor. Don't ever feel sorry for yourself because you answered the call to ministry. Don't walk around your house saying, I could have been an engineer. I could have been a doctor. I could have been a lawyer, but... No, no, no. You are dishonoring God by saying that. It is the greatest promote. It's not a demotion to be called. It is a promotion to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Rejoice and be glad that he chose you to work in the vineyard of the Lord. Come on, is anybody here today? Hallelujah. One more point. This is a pointed message. There is a connection between faith and honor. Faith honors God and God honors faith. In John 5, Jesus said, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another? Well, once again, he means you crave it, you're seeking it, you desire it, it's what you live for. You receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory, or once again, honor that comes from the only God. You cannot have faith without honor. To doubt is to question God's integrity. In fact, 1 John chapter 5, verse 10 says, if you disbelieve God's word, you are calling him a liar. Are listening to me? Unbelief is not just a hindrance to your prayers, it is an insult to God. Unbelief is an insult to God because you're saying, you're not telling the truth. You lied. That's the most dishonorable thing you could ever do. Are you listening to me? Doubt dishonors God. It is disrespectful not to take another person's word seriously. Right? If, a, if a little uh, three, four, five, six-year-old boy said something unusual, you know, I'm gonna be an astronaut. When I grow up, I'm gonna go to the planet Mars. We would say, aww, <laughs> aww, <laughs> ain't that cute? <laughs> Mama, hear what your boy said. Ain't that cute? 
But of course, you don't believe what he said. You just disregard it. Now, if I said something unusual and you turned to one another and said, Oh, ain't that cute with Pastor Johnson? Oh, that's so sweet. I'd be offended by that. And you would be too. Come on, don't tell God how much you love him by, and then turn on and dishonor him by questioning his word. Or we make all these little snide remarks. We don't even realize it. Well, you never know what God's gonna do. What, is he, is he a psychopath or something? What do you mean you never know what God's gonna do? <laughs> he's not, you're saying he's not reliable. He's not dependable. He is reliable. We never know what you're gonna do, but we know what God's gonna do. He is faithful. You are saying God is unfaithful, and that's a lie. He is faithful to his word. God is not a man that he should lie. Yeah. See, we dishonor God all the time. When I say we, I, I mean the people over there somewhere, and we don't even realize it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Faith pleases God. But of course, if pleasing God is not really a top priority in your life, then neither will faith be. That was the Pharisee's problem. If you really wanted to please God, if you really loved him, you would believe. Well, the fact is you don't believe because you don't really love him. That's what he told them. It's all a sham. I'm almost, I'm almost coming to the end of this experience with you. Our journey is closing. Don't jump out now, wait, till we reach home. Some Christians are disrespectful toward those whom God has placed in the ministry. You cannot receive from someone if you don't honor them. You cannot receive from a person that God has placed in your life if you dishonor them. Jesus said so in Matthew 13, 57. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. That's why pastoring is such fun. You, if you're in your own hometown, there's your family members, and you feel like, I'm in the synagogue in Nazareth for sure. Jesus was unable to do any mighty works there in Nazareth because they didn't honor him. They did not honor him. That's why they said, we know him, the son of the carpenter. We read that as just like a statement of fact. They meant it as a slight. They meant it as a put down. What they were saying is, you're no better than us. You think you're, they mean they weren't nobility or something. They're just ordinary people too, but they're saying, you think you're better than us, don't you? That's a problem. That's a problem. I've had people, and I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not preaching this message because I feel like I'm not being treated right. You all are fine. I'm just saying in general, you know, don't, don't think too hard, you know, amen. I don't want anybody touching my toes. I'm gonna kick you if you do that. I, I'm not asking for that. Don't, 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 don't go to, the, I, we wanna honor the Lord is what I'm talking about, right? But you know, sometimes I've had in America, people walk up to me and say, hey, preach. How you doing, preach? Hey, John, just, you know, and, 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 
you can tell from the way they said that they're not just being friendly or, or, or maybe you know, not so informed about some things about you know, respect and honor. They're really trying to convey a message. You think you're better than me, don't you? You think you're something, don't you? Huh. I just want you to know you're not. And I notice those people don't get healed. Those people don't receive an answer to their prayer, not, not, not in the service. Those people don't get revelation. Why? Dishonor will keep you in the dark. I said dishonor will keep you in the dark because you are dishonoring God. If you ask the people in Nazareth, do you all honor God? They would say yes. Absolutely, amen. We're Orthodox Jews, we honor God. But they dishonored the Son of God. They dishonored the one God sent to them. Amen. Some of you came here, you know, like from your church or something like that. Honor your pastor. Honor your pastor. You say, well, my pastor has faults. Like you don't. (laughs) Amen. Honor the people that God brings into your life to minister to, to help you. Amen? And, and you can't always choose whom God will send. Saul of Tarsus, you know, struck blind, or actually, you know, there was like scales that came over his eyes. He can't see, and you know, and he, he, he's praying, and God sent a man named Ananias, just an ordinary disciple. Saul could have said, no, no, it's gotta be Peter. Maybe John, not this guy. Who's this character? Are you an apostle? You're just nobody? No, 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 no. I won't believe you heard from God unless you're an apostle or maybe a prophet. He's just an ordinary guy. But he had, he, he had a message from heaven. He had a touch from God. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. The people in the synagogue were offended. They were offended. They didn't accept Jesus. They did not believe. Dishonor is a sign of unbelief. It's a sign of unbelief. As Jesus said, there is an honor that comes only from God. And that's what you and I should be chasing after. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want? I don't want a Nobel Prize. I don't want some Congressional Medal of Honor. I don't want a pat on the back. I don't want my name in the newspaper. It's already been there. I don't don't want any of those things. I want to hear these words. How about you? Well done, good and faithful servant. I'd rather have the Lord honor me. Hallelujah. I said, I'd rather have the Lord honor me than to have all the accolades of men. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So there was a missionary, lived many, many years, I guess, in Africa. And he came home, came by flight, landed in America. And it just so happened, just so happened that on the same flight there was some some celebrity some well-known VIP person. So there was the whole city to meet the celebrity, the film star or whoever it was, I don't know. And there was, a, there was a red carpet and a brass band all there to meet this celebrity on the same flight as the missionary. So the missionary's son came to meet him at the airport and with all the hoopla and fanfare, he said, Dad, you've, you've served God all these years faithfully and really all of this, that should be for you. And the missionary said, son, remember, I'm not home yet. I'm not home yet. Hallelujah. There's an honor that comes only from God. 
Would you stand with me to your feet today?